my blessing, my struggles has helped me to become a better person, to become a more compassionate person. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect. How obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 58. Today, let's talk about what you can learn from your failures. We all in this life have goals, aspirations, things we're working on, things we're trying to improve on, whether it be relationships, whether it be professionally, whether it be an athletic endeavor. We all have goals, or you should have some type of goals. We all are in a process of learning, evolving, trying to be a better version each and every day. In this process, in this journey called life, we all will fail at something, sometimes numerous times. I find that though I hate to fail, I learn the most from my failures. I learn the most when I'm down. I learn in the process of failing how to succeed. I learn to be humble. I learn in this life, in order to succeed, you need help. You need to learn from those who come before you. You need to learn from those who paved the way. It is in this process that we grow. When I was in high school, it's been a while, I don't recall any major letdowns as far as grades. And one thing that I did fail at was I tried out for cheerleader in junior high and I didn't make it. Well, I was hurt. It didn't really bother me. And what I learned from that was I really didn't want it enough. So I did. I would have continued on in that quest from junior high to high school. Another failure was when I was, I believe, in junior and high school. We did the play, The Wizard of Oz, and I tried out for every role. <laughs> Dorothy, Scarecrow, Tin Man, and the role I got was a lullaby league. At one time, I don't know how many people noticed, I used to want to be an actress, but I can't act. <laughs> I can't. I think I just wanted my moment of fame, but I learned that one, I'm not gifted as an actress. And I realized that I really didn't love acting. I just wanted a moment of fame. So failure can help you focus and realize one, things that you're good at, things that you're passionate about, things that you want to put a lot of work and effort in. Because if something is important to you, something that you really want to do, you put in the effort in order to get better at a particular thing. So I learned from those two failures that I wasn't interested, that that wasn't the path for me. These are valuable lessons in life, whether it be professional or whether it be otherwise, because you don't want to put a lot of effort, money, time into something that you're really not interested in. In college, while college was difficult and challenging, and I had to step up my study game, again, I didn't have too many failures as far as academic. And things that I pursued, such as I ran for senator, I won my seat, I pledged, I became a peer counselor. I don't know if I would call this a failure, but my heart was broken. My heart was broken in high school, too. 
call that a failure as far as relationships, which we all learn, live and learn. I'm sure everyone's hearts have been broken one or two times. And what I learned from that process is one, no one can make you happy. Happiness is within. So you can't give that power to someone else. I learned that life goes on after a heartbreak. And I also learned that what you think you want and need in high school and college is not what you ultimately will need to be successful in life. Medical school was one of the hardest things for me just because I've always been a person that had to study, although I did well in school, but I had to study. I had to put the time in. I don't have a photographic memory, but I've always done well in school. Medical school was a different level. I remember there was a group of us who used to study together all the time. And my first biochemistry test, I didn't do well. I think I made a 60-something. We used to study together all the time, and I'm easily distracted. So I wasn't as focused as I needed to be in a large group. I found I studied better by myself or in a small group. And not as a collective, but we're just kind of together doing our own study habits. So what I learned after failing my biochemistry test was I need to study in small groups and also find that what I did in school or medical school, I used to read prior to lecture, read after lecture and read again right before the test. So three times repetition was key for me. And I have a poor attention span. So if I didn't read before I went to class, I couldn't pay attention. I'd be sleep, daydreaming or doing something be a waste of my time. So I don't really learn well by just listening. So if I have a frame of reference by reading it, it's familiar. So I can kind of listen and pay attention and it'll be another form of repetition and then go back and read it to kind of instill it into my head. And then right before test, read it again. So it'd be fresh on my mind and get those minor details that professors love to ask. So that was my method of studying in medical school. And I learned this by trial and error. Also, we had different professors who taught different sections. So the first professor, I really didn't get much from his lectures at all. So I didn't learn that section very well, which is why I didn't do well in his test. So what I did was I got a tutor, Charles Tolson. He's a genius. He still is. <laughs> he used to tell us that he liked taking tests who likes taking tests? He used to like taking tests, even standardized tests, which I really hate, to figure out questions and to figure out ways that professors try to trick you. He was on another level, but he and he was the best tutor. So Charles Tolson, if it wasn't for him, <laughs> I would not have passed biochemistry. So shout out to Charles Tolson, who's an orthopedic surgeon now in Texas. He broke down the section better than the teacher. Although the, the second professor was better than the first as far as the way I learned. So the second test was still hard. I remember the test like it was yesterday. So I maybe I'd done like five or so questions and I was just freaking out because I'm like, I can't fail this test. I can't fail out of medical school because um, before I went to medical school, I worked as a physical therapist for three years. I decided I wanted to go back to school. So I needed to actually take the MCAT and take organic chemistry because as a pre-physical therapy major, I didn't have to take it. It wasn't part of our prerequisites at the time. So I reduced my hours, started doing home health because I could do my own schedule because in order to take organic, you have to take a lab and they don't have night labs. Well, they didn't um, where I went and took organic in Charlotte. So 
I worked home health and I also did some um, physical therapy evaluations, um, treatments over the weekends to make money while I was trying to get into medical school. I basically had a prayer and I worked from maybe to three o'clock and then I studied every night. And on Sunday was my, my break. I used to go to, they used to have this jazz in the park. That was my day to go to church and jazz in the park. But all I did was work and study. So I got into medical school, quit my job. I moved from Charlotte. I rented my house. It's like I basically gave up my life to go to medical school. And I felt that I'm a religious person and I felt that God was leading me to do something else other than just continue to work as a physical therapist. So I went to the restroom in the middle of this test and I had a conversation with God in the bathroom. I was like, Lord, brought me here. I know you didn't bring me here just for me to fail. I need you to help me (laughs) pass this test. Help me to calm down, to think logically, to answer the questions. Because sometimes you can be so nervous and so uptight where you can't even comprehend what they're asking you to answer the question. And biochemistry is not easy. So I need uh, I needed uh, my whole mind. I needed to be focused. So I had this talk with God. I got it together. I went back, finished the test. I did well. I made 85 on the test. And I finished medical school. Got no orthopedics. Matched. Got into a fellowship. Got a job past the boards so but that failure taught me one it's okay if you don't learn like your neighbor it's okay if you need extra help it's okay to be an advocate for yourself as far as your education it's okay to be a little aggressive and assertive in order to find what you need because no one is going to know what you need in order to succeed so i had to be an advocate i had to seek out help in order to pass so it taught me to be a little assertive, to be a go-getter. If med school was easy for me, I don't think I would appreciate my profession. I wouldn't appreciate the blessing that was given to me, the blessing that continues to be bestowed upon me, to have a lifestyle that I have, to be able to touch and impact people not even just through dealing with their musculoskeletal problem because I'm an orthopedic surgeon or being able to fix a, a fracture, but just even being able to be an advocate for my friends when they have issues. One of my friends just had a broken wrist, so she called me and I was able to give her some advice and give her uh, some referrals in order to treat her wrist break. And even when people call me about things that have nothing to do with my profession, I can help them somewhat navigate the health system because I feel that even when I go to the doctor and take, say, when my mother was still alive or my father was still alive, when I take them to the doctor, I feel like because I know medicine, although I might not know oncology because my both my parents had cancer, I may not know pulmonology. My dad had lung cancer. I know enough to ask the right questions. And honestly, I could care less who knows that I'm a physician. But when I go to the doctor, I let them know that I'm a physician because I want them to tell me everything in medical terms. I want them to know that I know medicine. I don't want them to brush me, or my family. I want them to be that kind, compassionate doctor. And I find that when physicians know that you're a physician, you get more thorough, comprehensive care. So I, as an advocate, want that for my family. Although my mother had the best oncologist and my dad, I loved his oncologist. She was the sweetest thing. But I think that my blessing, my struggles has helped me to become a better person, to become a more compassionate person.
other failures that I've had. Following medical school, I wasn't perfect. I did the best I could. I used to even stress out. I got to the point where I do the best I can, pray and keep it moving. I didn't get a lot of interviews for orthopedic surgery residents. I got enough <laughs> and I matched. So that's all that mattered. But the reason I was blessed to match where I did, my first year I did research with Dr. Douglas Thurston. Did research on ankle fracture. When you have an ankle fracture that requires surgery, you usually put metal plates and screws in to fix the fracture. It's called hardware. Just like if you go to a hardware store to get screws to fix a deck or whatever. Some patients get pain related to the hardware in their ankle. So my study was um, hardware-related pain. And do patients uh, get better when the hardware is removed? So I did this the first summer after our first year of medical school we have off. So you can do whatever. I did research with Dr. Dersha. So he was part of um, Carolina system, but he was in Raleigh at a trauma center. Every day I went out there and did research, but he knew I was interested in orthopedics. So I actually went to the OR. He actually is the one that taught me how to scrub. He uh, let me scrub in. He actually, we do doing a case. He actually let me drill a um, screw and ankle, which I was all excited about and telling my friends they weren't too excited because they thought I was weird being happy about putting screws in people. That summer, I also took call, which I didn't have to, but I finished this project, which he was surprised. It was a lot of work, but I was there and I was, even like when I took call and with nothing going on, I would just go working on my research. So it got published and he let me be first author, which is a big deal. So when I was applying for residence, he left Chapel Hill and became the chairman at Oregon Health Science University Hospital. So that is where I matched. And when I interviewed there, it was like the easiest interview ever because he had talked me up. Everyone was like, she writes so well. Like everyone knew me and I'm not the best writer, although I wrote a book, but I feel like I'm not the best writer. But I was blessed to meet Dr. Lester, who was a PhD at Chapel Hill. And she connected me with Dr. Dershow and Dr. Dershow helped escort me into orthopedics. So I matched in Oregon, and after I finished residency, I did a fellowship. And I told the story when I had Dr. Good on. I was supposed to <laughs> do a sports fellowship in Jacksonville. I had matched in a program there. Well, not a match, but I had interviewed and got accepted into a program there. So maybe three or four months prior to me starting my fellowship, called because I didn't get any information about just logistics about when we started, et cetera. I called and the receptionist seemed confused. So I finally talked to someone. They said that they gave my fellowship spot away. I thought, what the heck? They gave my, and didn't even let me know. And I don't even know why. I thought, Lord, what am I going to do? Season three we will continue the new segment called Ask the Doc. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, go to my website, www.weouilife.com. Click on the tab, voicemail. Leave your voicemail and select messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the show. I finished 
residency, studied for the boards, took my boards, doing some of my fellowship, and then go to work. And that was the process. I basically had no fellowship, no plan. I had, we get the journal, it's called the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. So I was looking through the journal, and in the back of the journal, they had ads. They have ads for jobs, but they had a fellowship opportunity. And JBJS took a call, got an interview, and got accepted, and went to Pennsylvania Hospital and did a sports fellowship. That failure, <laughs> although it wound up being a great opportunity, I wasn't meant to be in Jacksonville made me realize that I'm not in control. God is in control. And each of my steps were ordained from Chapel Hill. I lived in Charlotte and were going to take these classes to get into medical school. From meeting Dr. Lester to connecting me with Dr. Dershow to going to Oregon Health and Science University. Then I transferred to UAB after he left and my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and I wanted to be close to home. That was ordered to the struggles that I had in residency because I'm a double minority. I'm a female and I'm black. And most orthopedic surgeons are white males. I had a resident, she was a year behind me. She actually told me this. She's like, when I have a bad day, I think about you, Wida. She's like, you're black, you're female, and also transferred to the program. So I was different. So she's like, you have three strikes against you. I was like, well, thank you. So it was a struggle, and I had a lot of problems doing residency. Would those be considered failures? I could be. I had a lot of issues. I had to, have, had to seek a lawyer on retainer just in case some things happened. All those challenges, obstacles, helped me appreciate and be a better doctor, be a better surgeon, and be a humble servant. Again, I'm a religious person. I believe we all are stewards, and God gives us things to be over in order not to just promote or uplift ourselves but to uplift others and i feel that's my purpose in life so following my fellowship i had another challenge i don't know if i would call it a failure when my mother passed away i was failing at life i was so depressed i felt like i couldn't move or couldn't function then i felt it i failed at my health because I wasn't taking care of myself, my mental health, my physical health. And what I learned in that process is it's okay not to be okay. I have a podcast about that. And at that time, I learned that seeking mental health professional, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a stigma, particularly in our community, about mental health. I was depressed. Some days I didn't want to wake up. I was depressed. I learned there's nothing wrong with seeking help. We can't do everything on our own. I'm, I pride myself in being an independent person. I like doing things on my own. But we as humans need other people in order to live and survive. And I learned uh, who my friends were. I learned who I can depend on. I learned more about what I needed to make myself happy. And I learned not to sweat the small stuff. And I also learned after my mother and my father passed away about six years following her, that life is short, then you die. Now I'm this adventurous, crazy person. <laughs> I love challenges and I love doing things to scare me a little bit. It gives me this adrenaline rush in the process. I may fall literally and figuratively, <laughs> but I get back up. Another failure, big failure. I've talked about this before regarding my race, 70.3 Ohio, the swim. I was over on the swim. That was the weirdest swim. I felt like I had been out there forever. My swim cap broke. 
I had to stop and adjust my goggles. I guess this guy thought I was drowning. So he tried to, to help me. I'm like, I'm okay. But I appreciated the fact that he was actually concerned <laughs> and was going to help me. But I think I swam the extra 400 yards or meters. I wanted to continue on because it was like my a B or C race. Oh, it was to get me ready for Ironman. This was a half Ironman. So I continued on the bike, even though I had went over my time on the swim. So I would have got a, a DNF regardless, did not finish. So I continued on the bike because I left biking, but I got behind on nutrition. We got behind on liquids. It was very hot and I ended up in the medical tent. And that race, while it was awful because I never wanted to have a DNF and once I end up in a medical tent, I learned a lot. I met some great athletes. I learned that my nutrition was inadequate. I learned that I needed to revamp my race plan. I learned that I don't like hot races. I learned that I don't like flat races. I like hills, <laughs> rolling hills. I learned that riding in Ohio is boring. <laughs> Sorry for Ohio people. Maybe it's just the area where the race was. and It was not a scenic route at all. But I learned a lot that weekend and I was... I realized that life is more than racing as well because during the race, one of the cyclists was hit by a car and was killed. Her husband was racing and found out, I think, during the middle of the race. So it made me put things in perspective that, wow, I didn't want a DNF. There's more to life than trying not to fail. And also, I've had a lot, let's say failures, but incidents running where all my marathons, I've never, ever, ever met my time goal. It's always something, whether it be my tibial friction band syndrome, my first marathon, or I think I had the issue my first marathon. <laughs> my second marathon, it just wasn't as bad. My third marathon, I just got bad cramps. But I never meet my time goal. Philadelphia, I was about to cry when I did that race at the end. I was hurting so bad. New York. I sprained my ankle two weeks before the race and I had compression socks on and they felt like tourniquets and it hurt. Just, just walk out. I almost cried at the finish line, but I smiled. Of course, you got to look good at the um, finish line pictures. <laughs> There's so much that I've learned from life, from failures. So while I don't like to fail, because as a previous solo episode, I'm a reformed perfectionist. <laughs> I like to be perfect. I, I would love to be perfect. I love to be the best at everything I put my mind, everything I put effort into. But, you know, would it be fun if I was perfect at everything? I probably would get bored. I like the process. As one of my previous guests says about triathlons, there's so much that you can learn and so many ways that you can improve in all three sports. Swimming is so technical. So technical. And it's funny when I ski and I always take lessons every year. And some people are like, why are you taking lessons? Because it's, it's real technical too. And when I actually ski and coming down the mountain and doing my turns, I kind of, I think about swimming. I don't know why, because it's other people think about swimming, you think about strokes and you think about legs, but you use your whole body and you use your whole body when you ski too. And it's things that you do that are counterintuitive to common sense. Like, in order to go down the mountain to turn, you have to actually face your fear. Because if you if you like just point your skis straight down the mountain, you're gonna go fast. You turn to slow down, pretty much. But it's counterintuitive. In order to actually do great turns, into basically you weight your ski, you go from one ski 
to other ski. In order to properly wait, you need to face down. <laughs> your mind, your fear, you don't want to face down. You want to lean back. And leaning back would throw you off, throw your weight off, and you wind up on the ground. So women, some of the things you do don't make sense either. So it's kind of like you're retraining your mind. And I, I like that just aspect. It keeps me keen, my mind aware. It keeps me wanting to go back for more. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to conquer this. It's not going to conquer me. Thanks for listening. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email runitischeaperthantherapyolvomahalovebrown. Again, that's runitischeaperthantherapyomahalovebrown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. OUI Life, OUI Love. Thank you, and please tune in again.